All right. I got something I just want to, man, it's, it's bubbling up inside, something I got to share with you. Uh, there's been two movies this year that have really, I don't know, God has really been dealing with me because of these movies, okay? How many of y'all seen Courageous? Okay? Wonderful message. If you are a man, especially if you are a father, that movie will do wonders for your soul. It, it will lead you in a new direction that you haven't been. Okay? There's another movie that just came out this past week, and it's not real famous, it's not real popular. It's called Monumental. Kirk Cameron uh, kind of, I don't know if he necessarily wrote it, but he is the main player in this movie. It's, not, it's more of a documentary, okay? But it's about the roots of our nation. It was founded on Christian principles. And how can we get back to those Christian principles and save our country, okay? So, I'm not going to preach to you today about these movies. But these movies have made such an impact on me that I begin to question myself. I begin to question my direction, okay? So that's what I want to talk to you about today. Me and John Angerstein and one of my friends from work went to see that movie Monumental, and afterwards we went and got something to eat, so we're sitting there talking, and this question came up. And uh, I believe, with everything that's in me, that this question came from God, not me. Because I was as shocked as, you know, when I heard the, the question spoken out of my own lips, it was like it was being asked to me, Okay? I didn't come up with this, but and it's nothing. It's nothing that's just going to blow your mind, okay? So I don't want it to be <laughs> anticlimactic when you hear it, okay? <laughs> Y'all ever get so built up to go see a movie, then you go see it, and you're like, that wasn't near as good as I thought it was going to be, right? Okay, so I don't want that to happen. But here's the question: We were talking about where the church is headed, okay? I'm sure. All of you at one time or another have thought of one particular thing that you would like to see the church doing, right? You've probably even prayed, God, lead the church. God, help us to do this or that, right? So, I'm thinking, you know, what can we do? My mind starts racing, all these things. So, I ask this question. What is the one thing that you can do to change the way the church is? Okay? Man, that's such an open-ended question. I understand that. But I guarantee you as I ask that question, most of you thought of something. Something that you don't like about what goes on in the church, what the church is doing in the community, uh, not doing in the community. Right? There's one thing that you can think of that you would like to see improved or see different. Okay? This is the overwhelming part because as I begin to answer that question for myself, my mind goes a thousand different directions. There's all sorts of things I would like to see happen in the church. There's, there's lots of things we're doing good, but everything can be improved, right? There's lots of things we're not doing good that definitely need to be improved. Where do we begin? 
So that's why I asked that question, what's the one thing, right? It starts at one thing. It doesn't matter how significant that one thing is. Maybe your one thing is coming before the service to pray for five minutes. I'm just I'm making these up as I go, so y'all just hang on, right? Maybe that one thing is so you, you can pray at home before you come to church for five minutes. Maybe that one thing is coming in the back door and walking up and giving somebody a big hug. See, I'm not talking big, earth-shattering things here. These are little simple things, but what is the one thing you can do? Okay? So, just like I'm asking you this question now, I had to ask myself this question, right? And like I said, I got overwhelmed with all the things. I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. Even trying to think on a small scale, I was still overwhelmed with the vast number of things that could be done. So God spoke to me. And He told me the one thing I needed to do. Okay? Some of y'all use Facebook. Some of y'all saw one of my posts this week that said, Step number one, draw close to God. And I let, I, that's all I said. Okay, I understand the ambiguity of that. What is he talking about? Step number one, draw close to God. Y'all, I want you to understand something today that it really doesn't matter what I'm talking about. That step number one needs to be in play in your life in every aspect. Once you take care of drawing close to God, we can figure out what step number two is, right? Step number one, the most important thing in your life above everything else, everything, is draw close to God. So let's look at the Word this morning. Y'all ever wonder why we read this every sermon? You shouldn't. (laughs) Right? This This isn't some ritual or tradition. If we wasn't reading this every sermon, y'all need to start questioning what I'm talking about real quick. Okay? Alright, so turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look in verse 11, starting out. Some of y'all have read Acts before. You already know where we're at in this. To give you a quick rundown for those of you that may not have studied the Gospels very much yet, I want you to understand where we are in time. Okay? So... You have the the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that give four different accounts of the same events, Jesus' ministry, right? As He goes into His ministry, all during His ministry, and concluding with His death and resurrection. Okay? So, Acts chapter 1 picks up right after that. If you read the very first part of Acts chapter 1, You'll read about the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Had to be just a glorious event, right? Angels were present. <laughs> the angels angels started in verse 11 there. It says, Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? What, wouldn't you be doing that? Standing there just trying to, trying to catch that final glimpse before He disappears, right? 
man, I want to see everything I can until He's gone. That's how much they love Jesus. That would be how much you love Jesus. You ought to be looking for... Man, y'all just listen to what I'm saying today, okay? You ought to be looking for every opportunity to get in His presence. That's how they were. Man, any chance I get, I'm going to spend time with Him. Right? So they were standing there. Jesus rises up into the heavens, and they're standing there just watching for that last glimpse before He's gone. And the angels say, why stand you gazing up into heaven? I'm sure at this point, He's already disappeared. It says, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen Him go into heaven. Man, that's just... I just can't imagine what it would have been like to be there. Verse 12. They re- then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, Matthew James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. It says they stayed there. Okay. If you look back, you'll, you'll see Jesus told them, you stay in Jerusalem until I send a comforter. Until you receive the Holy Ghost. Right? He said, you go there and you wait until it happens. If you do some studying, you'll find out that they, they waited there somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 11 days. Okay? Waiting. Y'all, I, I just... I, I have to imagine, I have to start trying to imagine what was going on in this room during those 10 and 11 days. Right? You want to talk about revival. These people were praying. They were seeking God. God, send your comforter. God, send your presence. Man, they were seeking God. Y'all, this is drawing close to God like I was telling you. Okay? This was the first thing they did is they did their best to draw close to God. Took them 11 days maybe. Could y'all wait 11 days? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think so. See, she's honest. Most of us wouldn't want to wait 11 days. Most of us, we'd showed up the first day, and man, it'd been like, well, it's getting kind of dark. Um... What y'all want to do? <laughs> right? We'd already be thinking, man, I, I've got things I need to go take care of. I got cows I got to tend. I got, I'm going to go mow the yard. I, I got work tomorrow. How about y'all? That wasn't on their mind. Y'all know why? Because these guys were all in. You know that term? Does anybody here recognize that term? It's, I hate to even bring it up in church, right? It's, it's from gambling. What do, you, what do you mean when you say it, you're all in? Everything. 
Everything I got is riding on this, right? These guys were all in. They, they, they were already past that point where, which our flesh is thinking, I don't know if I could wait that long. See, they had already walked with Jesus for over three years. They had already been through all these things that, that we see testament of in the Gospels. They had already sacrificed everything they had to follow Him. They were all in. So, it was, I'm not going to say it was easy, but from a mind frame of where they were, that was where they needed to be. See, when Jesus tells you something, you're not worried about time. (laughs) When Jesus says, you go and wait in Jerusalem until He comes... You know why they were there? Because they wanted Him to come. They wanted what Jesus had for them. Y'all, I want you to hear what I'm saying today because there's a whole lot of us that miss out on what God has for us. Because we're not willing to spend the time and effort to draw close to God. Did you hear what I said? Now I want to remind you, this is what God's telling me, okay? Your step number one, I don't know, is probably draw close to God, but I want you to understand this step number one is before I can do that one thing that's going to change my church. Step number one is not doing the one thing. Step number one is drawing close to God so that I can be empowered to do the thing. The one thing. Hadn't even got to that yet. Hadn't even figured out what it is. Don't even know what step number two is. But I know where step number one is. Do y'all know how you how you begin a journey? One step. You don't know where to go after that, but you gotta take the first step. What do we what do we do when we have revival? Let's just kind of play the scenario out real quick. Let's say I were to come to, uh, next Sunday and announce in two weeks we're having a revival. It's going to start on such and such date. It's going to run these several nights. What would be the typical next thing I would say? Y'all be in prayer for revival, right? And I might even go so far as to, as to invite you to be fasting and praying for revival. And I might go so far as to say, hey, on such and such nights, we're going to have the church open, come and pray for our revival. Right? What is, what is all that? Drawing close to God. Right? Draw close to God. So, this is no different today. I, I'm, I'm posing the same thing to you right now. What's necessary to draw close to God? First of all, sacrifice. You have to sacrifice of yourself, your own time, your your own wants and desires. You have to give some of that up so that that time, that, that place can be given to God like it ought to be to start with. I'm going to take out of this pot and I'm going to open this up for God. God, you come and do what you want to with it. Cheers. This is my sacrifice. Okay?
Secondly, prayer. Y'all, I don't know how else to draw close to God if prayer is not involved. That, that's it. I mean, you can say, well, okay, you can sing worship songs. Yeah. Isn't that a prayer? <laughs> I mean, it should be. That's my mentality as I'm singing those songs. I'm praying. I'm in an attitude of prayer when I'm singing those songs. I don't care about anybody else around me. It's between me and God. It's communication, right? That's prayer. Y'all want you to understand that as you begin to draw close to God, you should be making provision for prayer time in your life. Man, that's one of the first things to go, isn't it? When you begin to feed yourself and feed your flesh, you begin to draw away from God. That's one of the first things to go is your prayer time. Bible time. A lot of times those just go hand in hand, right? I begin to, this week, I begin to get back to my routines of praying on the way to work and Singing on the way to work. Trying to get back in that routine of reading every night before I go to bed. Not not because I'm preparing for a sermon, just because I need to take the Word in, right? There was a time I did that on a very regular basis. Y'all, it's not easy being this honest with (laughs) y'all. It's really not. I know y'all may think it is, but it's not. I haven't done that like I should. I don't even know the amount of time that goes by sometimes. But I guarantee you months since I've really dedicated myself to studying God's Word just for the fact of studying His Word. I still still read the Bible to prepare for sermons and things like that. But you get so busy. You push all that stuff aside. That ain't the way it ought to be. You want to draw close to God? Well, guess what? You've got to get back to that. You've got to invite Him into your life and He ain't going to come in if you ain't going to spend the time with Him. Y'all ever go to somebody's house and you show up, you know, they invited you. <laughs> you go over there and it seems like they've just got somebody else on their mind. That, you know, they're on the phone talking to other people. They're over there on the computer, you know, doing their own thing. It's like you're not even even there. Anybody ever experienced that before? I'm not asking you to name names this morning. <laughs> but you go over there and it's like, man, why'd they even invite me, right? You ever think God feels like that? Oh, Lord, we want you to come. Come and be with us, Lord. Be with us in our house, you know. Sometimes we ask our blessings over our meals and we invite the presence of God in. But then He shows up and what in the world did I come for? You don't even spend any time with me when I'm here. You don't spend time in prayer. You don't spend time in the Word, which is me. Don't that make sense? See, the Word tells us, let me just read this Scripture to you this morning. And I know you know this. James chapter 4. Turn with me over there. If y'all ain't ever read the book of James, I'll tell you what, it'll put the hurt on you. <laughs> James didn't pull any punches. He just laid it out the way it is, and it often stings a little. James chapter 4, starting in verse 6. 
It says, but he giveth more, more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That one right there is hard enough by itself. Give up, give up my authority, right? That's what I gotta do. Give up my authority. Any power I might have had over a situation or a problem, I just have to give that up and submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now if you read that in one particular way, you could almost make two totally separate thoughts out of that. But they go hand in hand. You see, drawing close to God involves cleansing yourself. Right? You can't come to God and stay filthy like you were. Doesn't happen. Anytime I've had sin in my life and I I come to God in prayer, you know what the first thing that that comes to my mind? This isn't out of habit. This isn't out of some ritual. It's because in the presence of God, sin is revealed and you will be convicted of it. The first thing that happens is I, I just feel terrible, man. God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Before I can even go on. And you know, there may be a time that I'll, I'll start to pray for something and then it comes to my mind. I say, you know what? God, forgive me of that sin. Show me if there's anything else so I can repent of that too. So cleansing your hands, you sinners, is, is, is a critical step to drawing close to God. He wants to draw close to you. But when you put this wall of sin up between you and Him, He he won't. He can't. You have decided to shut Him off because of unrepentant sin. Draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh unto you. Jesus said the same same kind of things. He always called for you to come to me, right? Come unto me, those that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He always wanted, he said, bring the little children to me, right? He always wanted people to come to him when they had a problem. Verse 9 be afflicted and mourn and weep. What does that mean? Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. It means that sin is serious business. Right? That sin you've got in your life ain't something to laugh and joke about. It's not something you should make light of. When you come to God, you you ought to be on your face crying and pouring your heart out to God because you know you've done wrong. That sin will bring death into you. Do you understand that? That's why we're under this curse that we're under right now. Because of sin. So yeah, all that, I mean, it's no big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. You may laugh and joke with your friends about it, but you get before God and you see how your tune changes. How it ought to change. And if it doesn't, you better start questioning the condition of your soul. Because see, it doesn't matter how far I've gotten off into sin. There's still that little voice 
there's still something calling out to me saying, it's not right, Kevin. It's not right. And when I finally get to the point that I'm ready to ask for forgiveness, there's going to be some tears shed, (laughs) y'all. Because I know it's wrong. I know it's detrimental to my life. I know it will destroy me. And the thing I want most is the presence of God back with me. Y'all, as we move forward, I don't know how many many steps I'm going to preach to you about. That's up to God. But right now, the only thing that matters to me is step number one. Draw close to God. I may stay on that one for for ten years. I don't know. Step number one has always got to be draw close to God. Because once you get Him involved in your life, once you submit to Him, give up your authority and allow Him to do His work, guess what? Those other steps will start falling in place and they'll take care of themselves. If you'll just draw close to Him. The amazing thing is, I don't even know what step number two ought to be because if I'm not as close to God as I should be, who's guiding my decisions? So I can sit and contemplate all day long. Right? I can come up with a hundred different ideals of what would make our church better. But who came up with those ideals? I don't want my ideals involved. So as I begin to seek God, guess what? I get close to Him and guess what? All of a sudden have access to His wealth of wisdom, His wealth of knowledge. He will begin to influence my decisions. He may even give me the ideals. You understand where I'm going? That's what I want. That's what I want in my life. So I ask you that same question today. Now that you know what step number one is, what's the one thing you can do to make this church better? It's going to be different for each and every one of you. Don't don't get bogged down in thinking you've got to come up with some grand scheme. But you begin to seek God and say, God, what's that one thing I can do? See, some of you aren't doing anything right now, are you? You, you just come to church. Y'all, hey, look... I have been there, man. I know what you what you what you're going through. I know how it is. You get in that routine, you just come and then you go. I guarantee you each and every one of you can do something great and mighty for God. God loves to do great things through insignificant people. How do you think I'm up here today? I am so insignificant you don't even know. Oh my goodness, y'all should have known me when I was a little kid. <laughs> Bashful ain't the word. Do y'all, okay, here's an example. In junior high, I was. this is probably the first year I played little dribblers. I'm like at the end. This is the last year I can play. I wouldn't wear shorts. <laughs> I wore warm-ups to play basketball because I was so, so bashful. And some of y'all say, well, you probably shouldn't have been wearing shorts anyway. It doesn't matter. Look, man. That's just how it was. I I was so bashful. But look at me now. I can stand up here before you and sing, and I don't even sing. Okay? That's not my doing. It's God doing great and mighty things through me. 
Okay? So that's what I want you to leave here with today. What is that one thing you can do? It may be just praying. Nobody else has to see it. Nobody sees and hears what I pray on the way to work every day. But God does. What's that one thing you can do to make your church better? I guarantee you, you see needs I don't. I guarantee you, you see little scenarios and problems that I never even hear about. What's that one thing you can do?